In 2020, weeks of protests followed the shooting dead in Dublin by Gardaí of 27-year-old George Ninchenko. Protesters accused the Gardaí, who were there that day, of not following procedures and of implicit racial bias. And Gardaí Shikana defended the use of lethal force. Now, two and a half years on, an investigation into what happened to George is over. The Gardaí, the Ninchenko family and the community are waiting to see what comes next. Today, are we any step closer to answers about what happened to George Ninchenko? I talked to Irish Times crime and security editor, Conor Lally. Connor, the shooting dead of George Ninchenko is back in the news this week. Can you tell us what has happened? So, essentially two and a half years after uh, George was shot dead by uh, Gardy outside his family home in uh, Clonee, um, the inquiry into his fatal shooting has concluded uh, that was carried out by the Garda Síochána Ombudsman, um, Commission, they met with the family on Monday morning. Um, they basically told the family that the inquiry was completed and that a file on the case was being sent to the DPP. And then obviously once the DPP re- uh, receives that file, it'll review it and then it will decide if anybody in Angarda Síochána should face uh, criminal charges over the shooting. So that's essentially where we're at this week. So can we go back mm. uh, and tell the story from the start? Who was George Nchenko? So George Nchenko, um, he is a 27-year-old man. He lived at Manorsfield Drive in Clonee, County Meath. Um, his family are originally from Nigeria, but he had actually lived in Ireland from the age of about seven. Um, so his family had been here, you know, 20 years, basically. They were well integrated into um, the area in Clonee. He was a person who was, um, you know, had m- mental health issues. I mean, his uh, family have been fairly open about that. Um so on the 30th of December 2020, um, Gardy were called to an incident in a local shops uh, close to where he lived. Um, and the allegation there was that he had assaulted a person in, in the shops. So Gardy arrived on the scene and a confrontation effectively took place between George Enchenko and the guards who were at the scene. And this confrontation ended up at the hall door of his home. Um, and then it was, it was, you know, while he was standing in the f- front garden of the family home that a member of the armed support unit opened fire on him and fatally wounded him. Um, so I guess really the exact sequence of how that happened is really the thing at the centre of the GSOC inquiry for the last two and a half years. You know, it will examine things like, um, you know, was George Nchenko armed? We believe he was that he had a knife. Um, also, a video emerged of the incident at the time. Um, that has been reviewed as part of the GSOC inquiry. Um, you know, he he certainly appeared to be lunging at the Gardaí with the weapon at or around the time um, Gardaí opened fire on him. So the sequence of when he lunged and, you know, did the opening shot fire before or after that and so on, all of those issues are at the centre of the uh, GSOC inquiry. Um, And really, 
in cases like this, when a person is uh, shot dead by Gardaí, the key thing that the guards have to do is justify the nature of the force that they used on the day. Um, so because initially, the Gardaí that responded initially to whatever was happening in the local shopping mall, we don't know exactly what it was, mm. they were they were unarmed Gardaí. They were, that, that's what initially, that's who initially responded. Yeah, so unarmed Gardaí did respond because really, I suppose the... The first incident, if, if you like, was, wasn't was the type of thing that would really concern the guards very much. You know, they're well used to dealing with these kinds of issues. Maybe a row in a shop, a theft in a shop, uh, which gets a bit, you know, violent maybe. Um, so, you know, uniform unarmed guardy are dealing with those types of incidents every day, really. Um, but this one escalated, and we think it escalated mainly because he was armed with a knife, and and we think as well because he wouldn't cooperate with the guards who were first to arrive on the scene. So in a situation like that, the guard response is then escalated. Backup will be called. That backup can include, obviously, armed Gardaí. Um, now, Garda headquarters at the time, um, back in December 2020, they issued a statement basically saying that a graduated series of force was used on the day. So what that really means is, is that they try to subdue George Enchenko with, you know, things like pepper sprays, tasers, um, those, you know, kinds of implements, I suppose. Um, and why didn't they work on it, though? Well, we don't know why. I mean, that's the honest answer. Mm. Um, and is that part of the GSOC? That is part of the GSOC inquiry. I mean, it would be very unusual for the guards to use both tasers and pepper spray and for a group of Gardaí to be on the scene for those types of, you know, non-lethal uh, weapons, as they're called, that they would not help a group of Gardaí to subdue one person. That is unusual, though it can happen. GSOC have been investigating things like how many Gardaí on the scene actually had the pepper spray, had the tasers. When they used them, were they working properly? Did the taser actually hit him? Was there only one taser there? Were, you know, were there several? So apart from the guardy who opened fire having to explain his reasons for acting in the, in the way that he did, you know, the other guards on the scene as well will have to explain their actions. Uh, the Jusok Inquiry has also examined things like, you know, were too few guardy there? Were too many guardy there? Were they properly trained to handle situations like this? But certainly the the um, firing of the taser guns and the use of the pepper spray, they will they are two um you know, two parts of the GSOC inquiry. Um and very often um when GSOC examines things like that, it can result in recommendations for Angarda Shikana, which can change the way the guards operate. Um you know, around those types of uh, weapons. Can I ask you, do ordinary Gardaí on the beat have tasers and pepper sprays or is that, are, are they part of the armoury of the armed response unit? Certainly not all Gardaí have tasers. Um, you know, the Garda Staff Association have been, um, have been campaigning for those for quite some time. Um, I think Garda headquarters is reluctant to issue Everybody in Angarda Shikana with, you know, things like tasers um, for fear, really, that you're arming the guards. I mean, we, we have always had a, you know, mainly unarmed guard of force 
it generally has worked very well. Um, you know, the type of incidents uh, which obviously took the life of George and Kensho are very rare in Ireland. Um, you know, Gardy wouldn't even shoot on average one person dead per year. Whereas in other countries, you know, the number of people being shot dead by the police force is far, far higher. Um, and obviously, every time a person is shot dead, you know, there are, you know, there are very serious and lengthy in, inquiries into it. But in answer to your question about the tasers, um, all uniformed guards don't have them. And I think if they did, the complexion of policing in Ireland would change and we'd have to have a conversation around that. So Clonee is in Dublin 15. It's right at the Meath border. Um, really a suburb that has expanded greatly over the last 20 years. And as you say, the Ninchenko family, very embedded in, in the area, very well known, well liked. And they have been calling from the start. They've been calling for clarity on what happened that day. George's sister, particularly Gloria, she's been an outspoken critic of the Gardaí. She says that they mishandled the situation and that they need to kill them. Uh, and she was there. She was in the house on the day. What does she say about what happened? Well, I suppose, I mean, she has expressed a lack of confidence in the inquiries that have been carried out so far. What um, inquiries have they been? So the GSOC um, mm-hmm. inquiry, she thinks it's taken too long. Um, she is concerned about that. She has also called for things like, you know, George's ethnic background, his social class. She wants to know that those aspects in any way influence how the Gardaí acted on the day. Um, she has questioned whether if he was a middle class white man, would he have been shot dead in the same way by Gardaí on the day? Um, and she wants those, you know, racial and class issues um Reviewed. Now, we don't know if the GSOC inquiry has taken those into account. Do they and have they in other situations, do you know? Or? I mean, really, really the GSOC inquiries that have been done into similar incidents like this have really focused on whether the force used against the person who was killed was proportionate or not. Mm. Um, and whether there are any changes that could be made to how, on, on you know, how the guards operate um, that could better handle uh, these types of incidents going forward. So the racial and the social um, element that the family want examined, I'm not sure that's going to be examined by GSOC, to be quite honest. Mm. Um, so we don't know what the outcome of the GSOC inquiry is. We don't know whether they've recommended that anybody from Angarda Shiakana would be charged. Um, and really, we're going to be waiting now for, I'd say, at least six months before we know f- from the DPP's office uh, whether there will be charges in, in, in the case. Connor, what if there are no charges? If there aren't charges, um, the inquest process will then be the next part of the process. Um, and that will reveal a lot more, I think. That's a you know public forum where generally quite a bit of information can emerge publicly. Um, and the families get to have a say at an inquest? The families do have to get a say. I mean, one of the problems with the inquest process is you can't compel witnesses to appear at an inquest. So if some people refuse to appear, you know, they can't be compelled. So that can hold an inquest process back. I'll continue my conversation with Conor Lally after this short break.
Connor, when the news broke that December, I think it was immediately clear to everybody that this was going to be a potential source of tension, not least because race and police brutality were big issues globally that year, partially because of the killing earlier in the year of George Floyd in the US. Did the death of George Floyd and the global debate that it provoked, did, do you think, that have an impact on how this incident was viewed and reacted to? I think it probably did. Um, I think a second factor as well is that while we're all very aware now of the type of, you know, the type of campaigns that the far right run on social media, you know, I'm not sure we were quite as aware then as we are now. So when information which was completely wrong about George Inchenko started to circulate online, I think probably more people were taken in by it back then than would be now. So there were things like claiming that he had a very, you know, lengthy criminal record. Um, there were there were posts which tried to suggest that the incident in the shop that actually started all of, you know, the whole uh, sequence of events between George Inchenko and the guards on the day, that it was far more serious than it was. Um, so... All of these comments online, they definitely did influence the, I suppose, the public uh, conversation around the fatal shooting at the time. Um, And then obviously we were in a period of COVID as well. So the family and particularly young people of colour from that area came out onto the streets and they wanted to protest. And obviously, you know, people weren't allowed to hold uh, protests at that time. also, when the funeral was on, it was a fairly large affair. The guards appealed to people to abide by COVID uh, regulations. And I think even those small things, they all added mm. to the tension at the time. Um, so certainly there was a lot of anger in the area. Um, and I think the flat, you know, the fact that George Inchenko was the first black person to be shot dead by the guards, as you say, the fact that it came in a year when tensions around, you know, the police globally killing black people, um, they were heightened at the time. So, yeah, I, I do think all of that fed into the atmosphere around this fatal shooting um, in the period afterwards. But I would say that I think tensions calmed quite quickly. Um, I think tensions, you know, shot up for several weeks afterwards. But then I, I, I do feel calm was, you know, calm was restored a bit. Um, however, the potential for this to cause problems, particularly between Angarda Shiakana and ethnic groups in that area going forward, depending on the outcome of the GSOC inquiry and whether any Garda, any Garda will be charged and also what emerges in the, the inquest process. Um, this case definitely has the potential to cause problems long term. Do you get a sense now that there it has caused problems between the Garda and the black community in Ireland? You know, I guess it's very hard to gauge that. Um, And while we know in broad strokes what happened on the day, the detail of what happened will probably determine the long-term and lasting impact that this fatal shooting has. Um, So if nobody from Angarda Shiakana is charged, so no information would emerge during a trial, if the inquest process then is not comprehensive and we don't get that much information from that... I think it will leave a lot of unanswered questions. And I think generally with these cases, the unanswered questions are the things that cause the problem long term. Um, And I just think 
there is the scope for a lot of questions to go unanswered here, particularly if nobody within the guards is charged um, arising from this fatal shooting. Um, so I guess the passage of time will determine whether um, you know this causes problems, um, particularly between you know black people from that area and on Garda Now, Gloria Ninchenko, um, she believes the case raises a number of issues, like including how well trained and equipped guard they are, um, and their de-escalation techniques, which is, I suppose is all about training. Has George's death caused any change in guard the training or de-escalation techniques? Do you know? Not that we know of. I mean, one thing that um, one thing that the Garda Ombudsman Commission said when it, it issued a statement um, early in the week when it met the Ian Kensho family and told them that they were going to send a file to the DPP on the case. Um, and one thing that the GSOC said um, when it informed the family was that it had identified uh, live risks for on Garda Shiaqana arising from its inquiry and it had for, it had informed Garda headquarters of that now we don't know what those live you know ongoing risks are they could be things around um you know tasers pepper spray how well trained the guards are all of those issues um but as I say, we just don't know what they are uh, at, at the moment. And I think really this is one of those cases where GSOC in the past has compiled fairly comprehensive reports on some of the case, on some of the inquiries that they've carried out. And I think no matter what the outcome is here and whether anybody from the guards is, is uh, charged and put on trial, which would be unlikely, I think. Um, but irrespective of that, uh, you know, that, that outcome... I think it would be wise of GSOC to compile a report at the end of this case and issue its report insofar as it can. Um, because I think if that does not happen, there could be a lot of unanswered questions here and they could become problematic going forward. And when I say problematic, I particularly mean between ethnic uh, you know, groups in Ireland and the Guards. Do you get a sense from the family that, from their point of view, the process of the investigation, the GSOC investigation, and now the file being sent to the DPP, that that will be the end of it? There's quite a way to run with this case. Um, even though a file has gone to the DPP, um, there is quite a way to run on this. And even if nobody from Angarda Shikana is charged arising from this, you know, Garda headquarters can still carry out a review. They could still, you know, publish a report into this. Um, GSOC could publish a report into it as well. Um, they've done that with some other inquiries in the past. Um, but certainly this family, and particularly headed by Gloria, um, she's George's younger sister. She's studying law at university. And I've met her a couple of times and she's quite determined to continue the campaign here. She wants to know exactly what happened, why it happened. Um, and really, she wants to know whether, as I say, social or uh, racial profiling was um, a feature on the day. There's also no getting away from it with this case. It, it, George Anchenko was the first person of colour to ever be shot dead by the guards. Um, so it's significant from that sense. Um, the family have also had a documentary crew following them for the last you know, while, certainly over a year. Um, so obviously that 
documentary will appear at some point. So I think this is going to be one of those cases that we're going to be hearing from for a long time, even if um, there are no charges against any Garda member. We don't know if there will be charges, but certainly in these cases where people are shot dead by Garda members, it would be very unusual um, for Garda to be charged with a crime over those cases. Um, so if previous cases are anything to go by, there likely won't be charges, but obviously we can't be certain of that. Has the speed, or rather the lack of it, in the GSOC investigation, I mean, it's two, two and a half years, mm. um, has that raised tensions? Has that been a problem? I mean, in fact, you know, questions were even asked in the Dáil in, in February about, like, where is the GSOC investigation? Where's the report? So mm. there was a, there's been an awareness that this has been slow or has it? Has it been especially slow? I don't think it has been especially slow, to you know, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, uh, these ca- these inquiries can be very complex. Um, once you start inquiring into what happened on the day, you then have to inquire into things like guard training, equipment. Um, and these cases can become very lengthy. And this is not the first case that took, you know, quite some time in actual fact, GSOC said um, that they had concluded their case last October and that it was peer-reviewed then by people who weren't involved in the inquiry. So if we look at last October, that was what, that was about a year and 10 months after George Jenko had been shot dead. And I think that's about right. I mean, I think if you do it any quicker than that, you will be open to the charge that it was too fast, rushed. too rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I think that time frame is about right. Mm. I think it's frustrating, obviously, for... For family, specifically. Uh, it's very frustrating yeah. for them. And it's frustrating, particularly when people don't have any frame of reference around how long these inquiries mm. generally take. Um, you can completely understand why, uh, you know, why the family would be frustrated by that. But if you judge that against other investigations, either by GSOC or by the guards, into very serious incidents where people lose their lives... Um, a year and 10 months is not that long. I mean, in some cases, um, you know, people can be charged with really serious crimes like a day after they happen. But in a lot of those cases, it's a spur of the moment killing where there's lots of evidence to link the person to the crime. Um, and this is not the same type of incident. This is an incident where, you know, guardy who are trained and allowed to use force against people, you know, very serious force, up to and including firing live rounds as suspects, um, whether the proportionality of their response on the day was correct. So the proportionality is the crux of it, I suppose. So um, speaking of timeframes, we now know that a file has been sent from GSOC. When I say file, a report has been sent from GSOC to the Director of Public Prosecutions. We don't know what was in that report. It's now up to the Director of Public Prosecutions to make decisions. And we should say it's not unusual for files to go from GSOC to the Director of Public Prosecutions. That's not unusual. It's now the DPP's decision. Do we have any idea how long that will take? Do we have any idea the time frame on that? No. Uh, I mean, that's the short answer. Uh, When the DPP gets a file, it it essentially means that either GSOC or the guards have sent the outcome of their inquiry, all of the statements, you know, the evidence that they've uh, collected during their inquiry, that they've put that in a file and they've sent it off 
to the DPP. Um, sometimes they'll have a recommendation on whether a person should be charged or not. We don't know if they've included any recommendation with the Georgian Gensho file. But again, because this inquiry is quite complex, because it took a year and 10 months, um, this will have to be poured over by the DPP's office. Um, and that will take a while. The fact that GSOC have, have even said publicly that they had concluded their inquiry last October and they sent their file off to be peer-reviewed, I think that shows you they're taking this particular case really seriously. Um, when you have the first person of colour in any country shot dead by your police force, I mean, that's a big moment in the history of any country, I think. Um, and GSOC have clearly taken their time here. They've done a very comprehensive inquiry. They've got a peer-reviewed, and I think now that it, the file has been sent to the DPP, they will take their time on it as well. So I don't think we're going to hear quickly from the DPP. Um, I think it will be between 6 and 12 months. It could be a bit quicker, but that will be the kind of time frame, I would think. But honestly, with the DPP's office, you just can't be sure. Um that, you know, that's the short answer. Thanks very much, Connor. Thanks, Bernice. That's it for today. For more reports and analysis from crime and security editor Connor Lally, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon and John Casey. In the news, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>